Hello and welcome to Selfling Restaurant Technology Podcast, episode number two. Today we have a very special guest. I have my co-founder Charlie Liu joining us from his home in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Yeah, so tell us, Charlie. You know what, what was it like growing up in China? And I know for like for me, when I came to the U.S., it's because my parents, right? So it was pretty straightforward. My mom got remarried to my stepfather, therefore, you know, he was able to get a visa for me to come to the U.S. What was that journey like for you? Yes, so I came to the states in two thousand eight for my graduate student study at Purdue University in Indiana. So my journey it's、uh, more like a typical Chinese student who goes to the college in China, but then apply for the graduate school in America,、uh, searching for better、uh, advanced、uh, educations and also focus on the research. So for me, when I was in college in China, I was already involved in researches in particle physics. So actually, before I step in this uh, startup uh, journey, all of my from my kind of like twenties.、Uh, And early thirties are all in the research areas, and specifically for the particle physics. Which,、uh, if you don't know exactly what is particle physics, is、uh, more like a collider stuff that you probably heard、Large、in movies. Large hadron collider. Yes. Yeah. And <clears throat> so that was my kind of like a、uh, uh, thing in China. We had a collider in Beijing. I researched over there. And then when I come to Purdue,、uh, my professor, she was a, a quite a leading professor in this area, and she was working both on the Large Hadron Collider in CERN in Europe, and also she was also a leading figure in this Europe, U.S. project, which is the Tavertron Collider at Fermilab in Chicago. So I got the opportunity. To either work on a Fermilab project or European project, and I chose to stay at、uh, Chicago to work on the Fermilab project. So in 2008, I come to Purdue, spend one year in Indiana for the class、uh, studies, and then I just、uh, stayed almost all my PhD、uh, life at Fermilab in Chicago, leaving the lab. And also working in the lab, so my life was almost like a purely academia,、um, yeah. just focusing on the research. After that, I got the job from Los Alamos、uh, National Lab in New Mexico, and still working on the particle physics.、Uh, switched slightly from collider physics to neutrino physics. Uh, but that's also because the、uh, the world is also changing in that direction for the、uh, for our research area. Just because the colliders are getting old and too expensive, and the U.S. is deciding to focus on the new neutrino studies. So I followed that direction and went to Los Alamos.、Uh, moving from Chicago to Los Alamos was a a very big change for me.、Uh, I remembered the first day when I was meeting my mentor in Los Alamos. He was telling me that、uh, people come to Los Alamos, you will end up with either loving it or hating it.、Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason you're gonna love it is、uh, because the outdoor life in New Mexico,、uh, in Los Alamos areas, is is、uh, fabulous. Because、uh, if you love outdoor life, actually, New Mexico is a place.、Uh, I was telling friends that you probably. They are not Grand Canyon, but they are, you know, the Median Canyon. Good Canyon. They're not, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, they're not a Yellowstone, but they are, you know, somewhere White Stone. You know. Yeah. Um. So they are like this、uh, secondary level. All these national parks 
yeah. collected in one state, right? Yeah. So that's the part that you you're gonna love New Mexico, but then you're gonna hate it is because you know I was living in Chicago and everything was convenient. You know, shopping is convenient, dining out is convenient. You got so much different options in front of you to do things, and so your life is super convenient. But then when you move to Los Alamos, the entire Los Alamos only have like thirty restaurants for you to choose from. What's the population and,、uh, of Los Alamos? I'm just curious. So small, Los、yeah. Alamos is a very special town. It has about ten thousand people. Okay.、Uh, living there, and、uh, if you look for Wikipedia, I think.、Uh, The number is somewhere around seventy-five percent of those ten thousand people are PhD.、Yeah. Uh, wow,、It's、the、holders. highest concentration of PhDs in the world, right? Everybody, everybody、yes. in Los Alamos. That's、uh, New Mexico claim to fame is highest concentration of PhDs in any place is in Los. Yeah,、Alamos. yeah. It's like because、uh, um, uh, when we moved to Los Alamos, we are、um, at the age of、uh, close to thirty,、uh, late twenty. So most of people who move at that age are married, and but、uh, for example, like、uh, our friends,、uh, the males are working the lab, the females are taking care of kids at home. But those housewives also have more than half of them holding a PhD, but then staying at home taking、wow. care of the kids. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so that's why you know this town is really like a, you know even even the people who are not working they are their PhD.、Um, Diploma holders, so that's the special part of it.、Uh, but the life、um, there is really,、uh, you know, weekends we just go outdoors.、Uh, but other than that, when you wanted to just do some small shopping, it's not convenient. When you are trying to、uh, dine out, it's not convenient.、Uh, the options are very limited. So that actually got us into the lifestyle of always having a bunch of friends、uh, hanging out together. Either is、um, because of kids, or because of you just wanted to go outdoor hiking with some other people together. And by doing that, we always do this potluck. So every family, you know, we get together. Maybe we go to the mountains, but then everybody just brings something, right? Yeah. You bring a couple of dishes with you, and then we do picnic in the in the Hemis Mountain. And that is a point I see so many housewives. They are just staying at home, and their cooking is way better <laughs> than the restaurant offering that we have in town. And so I was just chatting with my wife and saying, "Hey, you know, like、uh, maybe you guys should get together and open a restaurant." But at that point, I have to tell you more,、uh, like a personal side of me is、uh, I never worked in a restaurant. I never grew up like working in restaurants, so I don't know how restaurants work at all. Like zero <laughs>、yeah. understanding of how restaurants work. The second thing is um, uh, we we haven't really like it's、um, my experience is all from academia, so I don't know that much of how industry work. I have a keen、um, interest in learning all those financial st- stuff. Like reading the financial news and also play with the、uh, yeah, stock investment, those kind of things. But in terms of、uh, operating business, zero knowledge on that, and never really thought too much of that as well. However, it's because of the conversation with my wife of operating a restaurant got me to look into the restaurant operation, got me to feel, you know, I 
I think uh, I was in a very similar shoe as many young Americans when they are thinking about opening a restaurant. It's, that is a, a very big life change if you really step into that. The reason is uh, opening a restaurant means you are attaching your life to that business physically, not just uh, like the, you have to be there from the morning to the late night depends on what kind of restaurant you are opening yeah. and your family will be attached to that business as well you know maybe your kids when they get out of the school they have they have nowhere to go they have to come to your restaurant and sit in your kitchen do their homework or help you out you know just a busing those uh, tables and so on so that made me feel like uh, how come it is so hard for people to open this uh, to operate this type of business what can we do to make it easier for their life what we can do to make another person who was in the same thinking as me to really make it work for them so i was basically couldn't sleep for that entire night and thinking through <laughs> like uh, you know can we do something about this to make it work better for those people who are thinking that way? Um, that is how the uh, idea of uh, this software company came together. Okay. Now, did any of your uh, friends or family members, including your wife, have any restaurant operation experience or know anybody? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no, they yeah. So <laughs> people had a PhDs and they all had a zero of this. So I actually started to talk about this uh, ideas with them. Uh, but the problems uh, of talking with my friends of these ideas come with the, you know, Isaiah, you were asking me, you know, like how, how this coding all started and so on. So even though they all have PhDs, but they are, either material scientists, you know, particle scientists, or they are in chemistry uh, research areas. So none of them really able to like just hop into this uh, software development stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty lonely um, at that end, but I myself actually can code a lot. Uh, the reason I can code a lot is uh, uh, this is, um, there's some details you wanted to know more about the particle physics. It's, this is a very interesting research area. I'm still very proud that I was in that area and I'm still uh, super interested in what's going on in that area. Um, so I took Kevin for a tour to Fermilab once. So if you go there, you will find actually this type of experiment is huge. Usually a, a project that would cost billions of dollars. And it involves in a lot of different things. You know, you need to build giant colliders. You need to build giant detectors. You need to duck giant tunnels. So you'll end up, so all of the scientists work in this area, even though you are just like you're at a school, you're more like just studying what Einstein or Oppenheimer would study, you know, the books. Right, but then in real research area, you end up doing several engineering, thinking about you know how to build a tunnel, what is the size of the tunnel you're building, you know, and you are thinking about how to build all those uh, engineering work behind the uh, colliders and the detectors and the electric engineering work behind all 
how to run those cables and you end up designing a lot of things that industry the commercial world doesn't offer yet you know like um, when you're taking the data um you know what kind of bus you are creating to collect those amount of data it's not like our you know our regular just a broadcast data amount we're talking about that's way bigger data amount that we're talking about and that is also uh, when we think about cloud computing before we have aws cloud computing fermilab is the place that is already running we call computer phone so when i was doing research at fermilab we always use uh, 3000 4000 computers at the same time because my job requires you know the first skin of data would be looking at you know, huge amount of uh, data to start with. And then when I was uh, just uh, kind of like filtering those data through, I needed maybe overnight 2000 computers to work with me, to just uh, work out with those data. So we've been using those uh, data forms, computer forms, uh, before there was a terminology of uh, cloud computing. And, um, uh, so I also acquired, or uh, so I'm super interested in Linux, and that is the first day when I stepped into particle physics. Um, we already started to use Linux, and actually Linux that we are using is uh, called Fermilab Linux, which is invented in. I mean, the, basically Fermilab has people to write a Fermilab version of Linux. Right. CERN has people to write a CERN version of the uh, graphic and analysis tool, data analysis tool. So we all use C++ to write all of those kind of things. Um, how do we learn about those? So that's the interesting part of, uh, that's why I appreciate the training I had in particle physics is uh, you don't really say that if you're a computer science student, or if you're an electrical engineering student, or you know, you just uh, think what you need to do, and then you just go and grab those things that it should be required to do your things, and learn them, and make it happen. That's just how the particle scientists work. Their mindset is just like that. So when I started to hop into this idea of writing a software for restaurants. If you ask me, do I know how to write a website? Do I know how to develop a, a iOS app? Uh, do I know how to write a backend server? I didn't know anything about them, any of them. But then it's just this, uh, you know, training I had in particle physics. You know, when you think about particle physics, uh, the, the physicists always just think, okay, I need to discover the Higgs boson, the, the God particle. Mm -hmm. And then you move backwards, like how do I generate this God particle? And then how do I detect this God particle? And then how do I analyze the, the data and then show it to the world that uh, I discovered it? So right. the same thing worked for me is I just say, okay, I need to build this software. Then I move backwards and say what's needed to build the software. You know, what kind of backend we need to write up? what kind of front end we need to write up and then just go there to grab all those tools and then start to just put things together so that's how 
how it started. That's uh, I was still at Los Alamos when I started that. And that was 2015, got this idea, starting to learn about all those tools myself uh, in the evening uh, or late night. And I had to also just uh, tell the lab that I am working on this ideas uh, on my own time. Uh, that's my third year at the lab. I was just uh, about to make a decision to see if I wanted to stay with the lab and pursue a scientist uh, career over there or uh, just to do something else, leave the lab. Uh, and then that was, the I think it's uh, the beginning of uh, 2016, uh, as I was saying that I, I don't know how to operate a business, a restaurant business. So the good thing about it is um, I was able to, because we have about 30 restaurants in the town, so I was able to just to go into those restaurants and ask them, uh, ask them to talk to me. Um, the first restaurant talked to me actually gave me a green light right away. I mean, that's a, I don't have any salesman's uh, skill like Kevin has uh, been talking about. So I went into this restaurant. I think if I went to any other places restaurant, I would be kicked out right away. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so we have this town in uh, Los Alamos called White Rock. So I went to this uh, uh, Mexican, New Mexican cuisine restaurant called Don Villa in White Rock. Um, they have a new owner just uh, started operating this business maybe like a few months. And it's uh, one of the biggest uh, casual dining restaurant over there. I went in there I to say, I got this idea. I wanted to... Uh, build a system, run your business that allows online ordering, allows everything. And I wanted to provide all this uh, service uh, for free, especially the online ordering for you. And he says, okay. And he just let me to sit there and tinker around. And that was a, I mean, for if I think about now, if I have this idea and if I'm in Chicago and I don't think even Chicago has maybe a thousand times more restaurants compared to the town I was living in, but I don't think I could get any restaurants to allow me to do what I was doing in this first restaurant I went to. Yeah, they don't have time um, for that in Chicago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then yes. also at the time, uh, you said 2016, obviously online ordering is already a thing, right? In Chicago and some of the bigger cities. Yes. may not may not be available not in Los Alamos, right? Or why That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I was able to sit there. I uh, They have a general manager in the restaurant, uh, and she was very kind to me. And she basically told me about, uh, you know, uh, how she uh, does her book, how she kind of like uh, every day, you know, I what are number, numbers she need to put together and do the calculations. And so I was just sitting there and observing. Uh, I never been a waiter waitress myself. So I was just also sitting there and see how this waiter and waitress, they put in order. They were using a cake system from Cisco at the time. And everybody was complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, huh. Uh, so, cause I, I, I can just uh, quickly Google what is Cisco, right? I didn't know what is Cisco. 
And clearly, Cisco is one of the largest food supplier in the restaurant industry. And I was really surprised to see, okay, such a big company with such a nice, because it's a, it's a beautiful pure um, um, system. Yeah. And how come people don't like it? So I took a look and I just see everything was super slow. And they just make me like, huh. I feel sad somehow. I feel like, how come nobody come to this industry and provide a better tool for the restaurant owners to operate the business? That really got me to the point like, okay, maybe I can do a better uh, job rather than you know a Cisco a company like Cisco. So <laughs> that just got me into it. And when we start to look into this, um, I think most of people, when they start a company, they will do a lot of, uh, you know, marketing analysis, business analysis to see, you know, how feasible, how viable your your idea is. Right. And I think uh, I started in a super naive way. Is I just see that uh, the market has a, needs a better tool, um, and I have no knowledge of how the point of sale system work at the time. But I got the opportunity to talk with all those waiters, waitress, from their point of view, what kind of thing they are looking at. Uh, you know, they are look. So when you nowadays you when you think about how self and doing our project is, uh, a lot of times we are just uh, hearing directly from our clients instead of, uh, you know, seeing what the competition is doing. Because uh, I mean, it's from the day one. Day one, I didn't even know who are the competitions for this uh, right, right. point of sale things in our own little world. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and of course, that naiveness also helped us because um, if I didn't know what's the competition out there, probably I would be have too much fear to to move at all because it's a. It's an industry that is already filled up with uh, all kinds of product. The only problem is those products in general are a low quantity product, but uh, there are just uh, too many already there. You know, it's like uh, if you ask uh, what hasn't been done for the restaurants, probably you cannot really name many. The only problem is they are all just not very nicely done for the restaurants. So for the restaurant owners, yes, it's harder for them to still operate the business. And that is also the reason, I think in the day one, we already call ourselves trying to bring up an all-in-one system for the restaurants because we don't want the owners to just uh, jump around different things to do their daily uh, job. Right. Uh, you know, one tool should allow them to do everything instead of uh, they have to just uh, buy so many different services and software tools to run their business. Yeah, absolutely. And looking back, you know, we've uh, created online ordering, a point of sale system, employment management. So yeah, truly we can call ourselves all in one. And that's what really restaurants are looking for is to deal with one company rather than, you know, five companies because they're busy enough just to try to run their day-to-day -day operations it's very demanding to have a restaurant yeah yes and when you yes. were developing self lane what 
so when so you're in this restaurant you're you're seeing all of the shortcomings of the current pos system how do you then take that and start thinking about how you're going to make something that can do all of those things they can give yeah the right tool so we started to um kind of so the the beginning was very simple it's just a website uh so we have websites for both the online ordering and also for their in-house ordering system. It's a website-based, uh, like a point-of-sale system. And is this Self-Lane 1.0 or is this Self-Lane 1.0? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe 0.0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's still, we, we never had anything that was in beta version. Everything was just right on directly to the market. Okay. And we put it on this website and this website actually immediately the second day we got on our orders for this restaurant. Wow. And it's a 70 year old lady. She <laughs> placed the first order. Did she have a PhD? <laughs> I was going to say. I was working at the lab yeah. at the time. I got this notification. And actually, I just left the job and drive all the way to the restaurant <laughs> myself <laughs> to meet yeah. this first customer. You did the first delivery. Yeah, because I, I was asking, you know, how, how did you how did you find out how 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 was uh, how was your experience? And she was saying, wow, it's just uh, very simple. I just uh, click it, and then a few buttons, I'm done, and I come here and pick up the food. I wish and, I was ordered. <laughs> I wish all yes. our customers. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, you know, Los Alamos was such a small town, and when I was uh, uh, just a uh, uh, you know, in the evening, we always go to this pond in Osolomosa to, to just hang out over there. And I met the lady again, and I went to even talk to her again about, you know, she, she has been, you know, like uh, ordering several times already with it. So that was the first uh, version of our online ordering system. Um, and also, you know, the first version of the point of sale was... Uh, pretty basic uh it's just like a you can put in orders but we haven't really touched the credit card processing at the time and that's the place that uh you know crush will step in uh later on but uh the first year when i was doing this myself uh there was a lot of up and downs uh because first i don't know how to sell so i don't really know how to get clients I was very lucky to have the first restaurant to work with me, mm -hmm. but I'm not able to get the second restaurant to work with me at all. So I went to the home run pizza restaurant in Los Alamos. And actually we had two pizza restaurants at the time in Los Alamos. I went to the first one um, and talked to them about it. And the owner liked my idea so much because pizza restaurant is definitely the one this online ordering. And they don't want to pay, you know, 15% 20% of the revenue you know think about a small operator in a small town all of their mindset is you know 10% is my margin how can I give you 15% it's not like a, this is not a New York restaurant right so but then if we think out a broad um, landscape in industry restaurant industry it's just like that most operators mom and pop shops their margin is 10 15 percent and they don't want to raise their price to cover that extra 
15% of uh, you know all these different uh, third-party players are offering because the reason they are able to operate that business in their town is because they just provide a good service at the right price. If you raise this price to another 30 or 20 percent, then you know for the people who live in that town, they don't like your business anymore. Yeah. So, so I was talking about this with the first restaurant, pizza restaurant, but then he was like, uh, "Huh." I, I love you do this all this for me, but the problem is I don't want to be your guinea pig, and especially I don't want to be the restaurant who helped you to build this product, and then you will step into the other pizza restaurant and help them <laughs> yeah. to win my business. Right. Well, that's um, that's a place I I hit my first roadblock is uh you know, I don't know how to convince them to adopt my. Uh, product. So I went to this uh, other restaurant that he was talking about. It's called the Home Run Pizza, and I was talking with this owner. I say, okay, he doesn't want to. The other one doesn't want to work with me. But can I work with you to help <laughs> you to win their business? <laughs> and he said yes. He said uh, it's kind of like a no-brainer because it's a commission-free, so he doesn't need to pay anything to use this service. Right. But um, that's also the second thing I learned from sales is uh, a promise is not a deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I got this promise. And when I take a computer to this uh, restaurant, he started rejecting me, just say next time, next time. And this kind of got me just hand over there for, you know, two, three months, no progress. And then he started avoiding me until there was one a day. I I just bought a new computer. Everything set it up. Computer, printer. I say, okay, look, this is my offering. I put this computer in your restaurant. I set everything up for you. And um, you know, you just uh, if it works for you, you keep it. If it doesn't work for you. I'll take everything and leave, right? Yeah. So it's only at that point that he said, "Okay, you know, right. it's um, it's harder for people probably reject something like that." Yeah. So, so accepted, and then we just put it there. And it's a pizza restaurant, so they actually get a lot of orders because they don't have anything to write down things. It's all just a pencil and a paper. You know, imagine just a small town, yeah, home run pizza, you know. It's always running like this way, right? You you walk into so many, uh, you know, small town, uh, mine and pop shop, pencil and uh, pa paper and the pencil. Yeah. But then it's also because the first, uh, second client is a pizza restaurant. I learned a lot of new things, and I find actually pizza restaurant is one of the hardest one to work with. By far. It's because yes, because the modifiers for pizza is very complicated. And the owner was telling me, you know, like when I make the dough and then the customer chooses the topping, they can basically ask for whatever they want. They can be very creative, you know. They can have a family who wants one side with mushroom, the other side with no mushroom, just because, you know, one is okay with it, one is not okay with it. And you can 
And when you do all of that, your price needs to be adjusted based on that. It's like if uh, I buy a uh, certain cuisine uh, pizza and my topping is, uh, you know, maybe this and that, but then you can say, can I replace only half of your topping to another half of something that you didn't write down, but you have in your offering? And they would do that for free because it's just swapping half of the topping. And so our system in the day, you know, in the first day of offering this pizza restaurant needs to be able to handle those kind of like a pricings. It's like when you have those uh, half price of this, half price of that, your price need to be reflected properly. Um, for those, uh, uh, if it's just a, a substitute or if it's a, a additional toppings that you are purchasing. So, you know, uh, that is, I think uh, that if I look back, I really appreciate it that we got that the pizza's uh, menu set up uh, kind of like correct in very early days of this system because that yeah. really allowed us to uh, that is also why when people are asking you know what kind of restaurants Southland can serve actually Southland because in the day one can serve a pizza restaurant Southland can just serve any restaurants because yeah. pizza is already the most complicated menu in the market yeah, there's definitely, I've been in other POS meetings where they just flat out say we can't do pizza yet <laughs> because <laughs> there's just, it's the particle physics of menu design because everything is purely variable. There's infinite options and customization, like, and you can't program all of that into the system. But Correct. that is good that that was one of the first steps that you had. Is you If you had the hardest part of it, right up front then everything from there had to be easy for you right it was just smooth sailings from there so then yes. after you got home run pizza what was so right now self lane is just a website and it's just menus and online ordering and the very first pos that you set up is just a computer in home run pizza and yeah there's no credit card integration it's just a way for them to record pizzas and print out their orders right yes so at the time, uh, I was still doing my full-time job in Los Alamos National Lab. And, but that's kind of like a close to the end of my th uh, three-year uh, career over there. And, but I got three restaurants in Los Alamos as well. And they're all doing okay in terms of uh, with this online ordering. I don't have income from that uh, uh, operation yet because we provided this commission-free online ordering for the restaurants. Right, so we haven't really charged any fees to the restaurant yet. Um, but I was at this point: should I, you know, take selfling as a full-time job, or should I just still kind of like a doing it as a sidekick? But because at that time I already see a very good promise in progress, I got three restaurants, and everyone is very happy with the product. Right. So I decided to just uh, leave the uh, science world and to focus on just uh, full time doing this uh, uh, self link. But actually, that's the point that I started to hit a lot of downside of the um, startup. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, okay. So now 
it's the summer 2016. I started to uh, just a full time to do the self lane. So I got this working product. Three restaurants are using it. Then I need to sell more to different restaurants. So I went down to Santa Fe. That's a 45 minute drive from Los Alamos. And walked into the first uh, pizza restaurant. And again, I got this very nice lady and telling me, wow, this is a great product. That will be definitely a great help to his uh, to her business. And she was also telling me that how supportive she is to the local people who are having this uh, more like a startup uh, innovative uh, ideas because mm -hmm. she has been a supporter of all this kind of like things in Santa Fe. So what well, my hope was up again, right? I, I was super excited to see now I left my job and my my new startup is uh, going in a uh, greater trajectory. Can can we talk about that? Because <laughs> that I feel like yeah. at this point you're married and you have a family, right? Yes. And you have a successful career in science. You're working at the Fermi Lab and <laughs> Los Alamos, and and you're like, okay, honey, I'm gonna go try to sell this pizza <laughs> like company <laughs> a computer for free. <laughs> and she's like, I don't see, you know, what what was the calculation that you made that made you think. You know this because obviously you'd been going on one path for a really long time and this is a big left turn for you that's um that's right so this uh i mean this uh it's uh kind of like a step aside from the thing that we talk about the pizza restaurant in santa fe but uh it's from my family's point of view how they would be supporting me to make such a big switch so i think first is um uh so I was um, a student, and then I went to Los Alamos. I got the green card very fast because of the uh, scientific achievement we uh, had. Um, so did you? So that allowed a, me to do you a genius things. visa. Genius visa. Is, yeah. is yes, that what it's called? Because, like a, uh, because I I looked this up before because <laughs> they, they give special visas people of yes. extraordinary ability right it's alien right. of extraordinary ability if you make a certain level of achievement in science or art you get a visa so you and they are called genius visas or art <laughs> so yes, you got that's, a genius uh, visa. that's uh, <laughs> the extraordinary visa that that's what i had yes so that allowed me to um to think more about what do i really wanted to do um I mean, at least I had the freedom, right? So, because uh, if you think about a lot of immigrant uh, uh, workers, a lot of restraints is coming from the visa and their status. If they don't have a green card, they are probably just have to work with that particular company who is sponsoring their visa until they get the green card. So, uh, fortunately, I didn't have that worry when I was uh, doing my making my decisions. The second thing is uh, actually at the time, I have two boys. Uh, the older one was only four year old and the younger one was only two year old. So definitely that was a very stupid idea to, <laughs> uh, and Los Alamos, it's one of the best paid yeah. national lab in the country. And giving up a full-time, well-salaried job and just doing something 
yeah. with no salary. <laughs> um, I have to say, I don't know how my wife really supported me, but <laughs> she was actually giving me the most support. That's wow. a, the other thing is, I think uh, me and my wife, we support each other just like all kinds of things. She got a lot of her ideas of things. And I have been also very supportive to her to pursue her dreams from day one. Look at That's the great. pin behind me. That's her <laughs> pin. Nice. She can do all kinds of things. Wow. And um, I'm also fortunate, like, uh, she was just okay with me. Because uh, uh, even though the salary in Los Alamos was very good, but we also lived the life of uh, a graduate student that we only live with a couple of thousand dollars a month. And we felt just very happy. We never felt like uh, we were, you know, financially stressed. So when I was living in Los Alamos, she had her small business that was having a small income. But we find it's just fine. You know, we just live a more uh, constrained life instead of, uh, you know, spend whatever you can, right? Right. So, and I thought, and I thought that we can actually make a, a good business out of that quickly. So, which didn't happen actually. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know, so it's, um, I think it's the other thing is when we think about the people who come to America, at least both me and my wife, we came here with American dreams, very typical American dreams. It's uh, we are looking for a place to fulfill our skills, fulfill our uh, ambitions. So, you know, when we come to America, we already kind of like always looking for things that we can endeavor on that is different from what can, what we can get back home. And we so we always had that mindset, you know, where this end. And so that mindset also kind of like uh, helped us to make those decisions to see, okay, what, what could be worse, right? You know, yeah. we came from China, we never, you know, had a lot before, you know, what could be worse? Uh, it's not like we don't have skills to make money, but to to sustain ourselves. So that kind of like allowed us. But on the other hand, if I step in this same shoe as another uh, person, if you already worked in, say, if you work at Google, you're making very good salary at Google, and now you wanted to just leave that job, yeah, and stay you know, work on an idea with no income for three, four years. Yeah. I don't know many people can make that kind of like a decision. Or if they do, their family wouldn't support them at all, right? Right, yeah, it's just a big risk. You're going from, you know, like you said, one of the best paying labs in the country to giving pizza <laughs> restaurants free computers. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, so is there a business plan? It's like, ah, you know, I, I think it'll be cool. <laughs> like, you know yeah. how restaurants work. I'm learning what restaurants do. So that's right. But that's great that you guys were able, you supported each other and you're trying to live the American dream. You're taking the big risks and you're not afraid to live a humble life to get there. You're sacrificing your own comfort for a dream, for something that you're more interested in. Yeah, yes. one thing I think really like resonated with me is 
you know you have the talent to do something and you know if you just work hard and putting the work that eventually you know it's going to become some great and there's no better place to do it than in you know america right like you said you come here for the american dream and if you look back or if you look around in today's america environment so many entrepreneurs and business owners they're not first generation americans they're typically like an immigrant from another country you know so yeah yeah there's definitely yeah. a value to that mm. perspective where you guys you're not taking any of it for granted right it's yeah. something that's you you see the opportunities that are provided here and you're taking full advantage of them instead of just thinking because i'm native american or i'm born in america <laughs> I, i'm a naturalized no, but i'm from america and i never think about what it would be like to come from another country where you don't have that option and it isn't as much of a part of the culture where it's like everybody does their own thing and you win or lose based on your own merits right so i think that that's a a big a big shift in the way that people look at this country and how in what career path you choose because right. i think you guys both are examples of taking full advantage of the freedom of choice to choose whatever you want to do and pursue whatever you want here yeah absolutely yeah so tell us, I mean, at this point, there is still no POS yet, right? It's just a web-based online ordering platform. How did the uh, POS come into play? What yeah, point? so uh, let's just uh, go back to this center phase story because yeah. I think uh, many people who are stepping into the startups industry, they're going to have very similar kind of like a roadblock that I had met at that time. So that was uh, like uh, the second half of uh, 2016. And I started to talk with the Santa Fe lady and she gave me such a great promise. But then the second time when I stepped there again, I set up everything already and just ready to go. She started to avoid me. She doesn't even come out to talk to me at all. You know, that just tells me exactly you know, what I should expect actually. Nowadays we know this is a real world. Uh, yeah. But at that time, I was from, you know, kind of like a school, academia, and I always thought a promise is a promise. But, you know, a promise is never a promise until, it's not never a deal until you really shake the hands and uh, had everything on it. Yeah. So things will start to look uh, a little bit bad for me at the time. Um, but, um, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a one small hope will keep you up. So early 2017, I got another restaurant in Santa Fe start to use uh, the online ordering for me. And actually, it immediately brought them a lot of online sales. So that was the Double Dragon Chinese restaurant over there. That is because I got rejected and I was already in Santa Fe. So I was sitting in Santa Fe. If I just drive by back to Los Alamos, that's another, you know, 45, 50 minutes drive. And I, I got nothing out of there. And I was just telling myself, okay, I'm here. What I need to do? I just knock doors. Just like uh, I was the cabin at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. I just knock doors and see what's going to happen. So, you know, it's always this small hope that they always keep you up. Again, and you didn't that, accept the defeat from the pizza lady, and instead of you know saying I'm just gonna go home, call it a day, 
you yeah. stop in at one more restaurant. Is that what happened? Yes, that's yeah. right. And it worked, right? So, yeah. you know, uh, so he gave this uh, opportunity to me and we had this first uh, Santa Fe restaurant using it. But I still couldn't really get anywhere. I started cold calling and people would yell at me, swear <laughs> at me. And I would like, uh, what, what, how did you get my numbers? Things like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, I get hurt because uh, I don't have any, you know, like uh, if you're really like a very good salesman, you don't feel much about those things because um, you know that's just a part of it, right? But I couldn't take it. I couldn't take those uh, things very much. So uh, that's another setback. Uh, I only had a, a four restaurants using the system and that was already early 2017. And at that point, New Mexico University had a program. So basically they allow you to work with the students in the summer program. And they will pay half of the salary. I pay half of the salary. So I ended up with working with two students uh, from the chemistry uh, engineering program over there. And one girl, she turned out uh, very active, helping me to just, uh, you know, first is I teach them about how to build a website, how to, you know, do the technology stuff. But I also asked them to approach the restaurants to sell this product to the restaurants. The first restaurant actually we went to is uh, the shop, you know. Which is a customer now. Yes, yeah, but yeah, at yeah. the time, you know. One of the most busy ones too for us. Uh, they laughed at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. You know, nothing happened actually uh, in 2017. Uh, I mean, first is that the students, they were not the experienced uh, salesperson as well, right? So three of us, we are not experiencing any any of those, but we're just trying. And <clears throat> so it's a short program. I think it's just one month. And so it's at the end of the month, nothing really happened. Uh, several promising conversations, but uh, you know, just uh, nothing really kicks in. And almost like the last day, Ava, she was a, she was a student working with me. She called me. She said that, uh, I don't know how I do it, but uh, there was just one restaurant owner says that uh, he wants to sit down and talk to you. That was a B2B. <laughs> so I went to B2B and sit down with uh, Sean at B2B. Uh, so he was telling me, so B2B was a brewery uh, close to uh, New Mexico University, very uh, busy restaurant at the time. And uh, Sean owns two locations at the time. He was using the system that uh, Kevin's previous uh, uh, partner, Kroosh, was developing. Um, so he's a Windows-based system. But the problem that he was having with the system is because Kroosh is leaving to Seattle and that system won't have any maintenance anymore. And he's having a lot of issues with the system because, uh, you know, software updates, system updates, computer is getting very lagged because it's a very old Windows computer. So he's looking for a new system. And he doesn't want to pay a lot of money for those uh, you know, Aloha or those kind of like assistants at the time. 
And because he worked with Crush, so he knows that as long as you are working with a very good engineer, there's a very good possibility they can bring up a system for you at a price that you, you wanted to pay. So he was just asking me, uh, what can I do? Uh, if uh, he wants to use a point of sale system that is uh, with a more reasonable price. And I was just telling him, give me one month, what, I'll do it for you. So that is the first version of our iOS uh, POS. So I didn't know how to program a iOS app. I just learned it right away and write up the first version of the POS uh, on the uh, iPad. One month, less than one month, I delivered this to this restaurant. But then there's a problem when I was doing it. It's, um, you know, for a real restaurant, especially for a busy restaurant, the credit card processing is the key. If you're not able to talk with a credit card machine, you're not really a point of sale system. Right. So that's the place uh, uh, Sean says that uh, talk with Crush, you know, he will help you. Mm -hmm. So I talked to Crush, and Crush was very nice to me. You know, I think several reasons. Number one is that he was so surprised to see there is a guy who is able to deliver such a point of sale system in such a, you know, just weeks. Yeah. And <clears throat> so that's probably a surprise to him. Second is, um, you know, he's still, I think he he's a very good uh, uh, engineer in terms of uh, he wants to have a good reputation, even though that he's leaving Albuquerque, he doesn't want to leave his clients behind. Yeah. So he wants to transit his clients to good hands. Right. That is, uh, you know, with those reasons, he helped me say that, okay, there's a PAX uh, critical machine that you can do a semi integration uh, that would allow you to be PCI compliance, those kind of things. So we just, uh, I got the first PAX machine. Uh, from PAX, I don't know. I think he helped me to get my first PAX machine. And, you know, one week, we're ready to go. Wow. So um, so we had this uh, first uh, POS clients. So that is, uh, um, it's not a B2B uh, out of the New Mexico University, but it's a B2B at a downtown, uptown uh, right. location. So they are closed now, but that was the first location we installed it. So I was sitting there almost like for the first week. It's, it's a brewery. You know, the, the worst thing for you to develop your product is your first client is actually a brewery who operates till like 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock oh, no. <laughs> in yeah. the midnight. <laughs> so did you drive back to Los Alamos or you were staying here? Every night I go back to Los Alamos at 2 o'clock. Wow. And that's a one and a half hours drive. So I got back home at three, four o'clock, and come back to Albuquerque again, just to make sure the system is working fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a huge amount of learning experience for me as well. Because if you ask how did the, the self-lens POS was developed, we didn't know how you know any other point of sale system work. So it's completely developed based on the conversation with the bartender with the server you know it's like a, how do you want the system to be yeah how do you want it to click on those items you know the layout is completely based on you know their feedback 
at the time. Uh, and it's also just uh, trying to build something that is uh, simple enough for them to use for their purpose, right? Yeah. The, they are not looking at uh, the complicated numbers because my first impression when I was looking at the cake system is the owner always need to go to the cake and click a lot of buttons for the reporting and then send that report to his email address. And then he go back to his office and bring up that email and download that report, print it out. I was like, why do you want so many things on that computer that is only supposed to be used by the server? Right? Yeah. So that is self-lane's really like a convenient part is our point of sale is focusing on the operations of the server's point of view. Our back office to focus on the manager and the owner's point of view. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So what, what was the process like from you, you know, talking to servers, bartenders to create the first version? Like, were you, um, were you just have sessions of, you know, 30 minutes to an hour on a daily basis as you are building out the POS or what, what was that look like? I was basically just sitting at the bar. Okay. You know, and coding seeing how they, at the same time? almost like a coding at the same time. Wow. Cause, uh, yeah, cause the iPad we were using is uh, um, just, uh, you know, if we see something is not working right, we yeah. update the app right away from the, from my computer to their iPads. Mm -hmm. and to fix those problems, to to reduce those steps. Uh, and that is the point that I got on my other hope coming up. That was um, September 2017. And then Crush uh, called me again and says, I heard that Sean was really liking your system and he's thinking to, you know, adopt your system to his second location and that was also because uh, you know for the servers working in between these two locations they can clearly see that uh, the system because sean actually was putting you know not a, the eggs in all my basket he he actually bought another system for okay. his other location at the time but everybody was complaining about the other system. That system, it's not super famous, but still have like uh, thousands of clients nationwide at the time. So it's a, a fairly large company, right? And everybody was complaining that how bad is that one and how, how good is this one that this guy just write up in one month and asking Sean to switch both locations to one system. So they don't have to, you know, when they are moving back and forth between two locations, they don't have to really like a painfully deal with the other systems that they, they're using. Yeah. yeah, strong endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. And Krosh uh, uh, from Seattle, so he, he called me, he said that, I'm surprised that you're able to bring this up and also kind of like Sean really liked your product. And I think it's time for you to think about and sell this product. And I think uh, I have a mm, person that I know that can help you to sell it. And the, both of you are Chinese, probably you can even, you know, click with him even better with that. So that's the point uh, I called Kevin and uh, we set up a meeting, but at the same time, 
Sean was asking me to install the second location. So I went to Albuquerque uh, to install the New Mexico uh, University location for B2B. And Kevin was coming in at the same time. So I just uh, hooked up everything. You know, I was uh, I was barely hooking, I mean, finishing it up. And that was early because it's bars, so they only open at 12 o'clock. So when I was hooking everything up, uh, the server not, was not there yet. So I didn't train anybody yet to use the system. Kevin was there already, so I started to sit down with Kevin to talk about uh, you know what I'm doing, uh, what what's the vision behind this uh, uh, product and the company. And the server walked in. She started to use the system right away, without no any training. training, no <laughs> training. And I think that's also the selling point I had with Kevin is like uh, Kevin never seen a system that is just like uh, this new restaurant set up and uh, the server just came in and use it right away. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, with that, you know, we just decided to work together. Uh, Kevin started to uh, call different restaurants and to see if um, they wanted to use the uh, this uh, new system. And I think, uh, I mean, there's probably tons of roadblocks <laughs> from Kevin's side because, you know, yeah. <laughs> bring a new product to 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 new clients, uh, it's just very hard. But I think the first clients, uh, Kevin, really made it happen. It's, um, it's the restaurant in Charma in the very north side of uh, New Mexico. That's uh, almost, I think a two-hour drive from Los Alamos, but three and four hours from Albuquerque. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was pretty interesting. You know, at the at the time, I was still a reseller for another point of sale system because I had started my own business after leaving Harlem Payment Systems because of the buyout from uh, another huge company, and um, so I already knew, you know, the POS ecosystem and how important it is moving forward to have a POS system. And I was pretty impressed with Charlie's product. And I decided to join Charlie and um, you know go just full-time with self-laying because I believed in his ability uh, because I saw you know what the system did at B2B. So I drove to Los Alamos and we left together from his home to, uh, to go to Chama. And uh, we got there, it was a restaurant called the uh, High Country. And it was at the time one of the busiest restaurants in Chama. You know, it was a six figure per month restaurant. So very demanding. They they opened seven days a week. So we didn't have time to, you know, mess around. We just got right into it after their evening shift. So I think we started installing the system at at midnight. Oh no, at like 10 o'clock or something, right? Pretty late. <laughs> and we didn't finish until two in the morning. And I remember I had to crawl through the attic of the restaurant to run wires. And uh, the ceiling was so fragile. I remember, you know, taking one step and my foot just went through the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was, a, it was a pretty rough one, but we got the job done. <laughs> yeah, we, we got the job done. And, you know, I will honestly say with every restaurant we bring on, we learn something new. And Charlie had to just react quickly to make another update to satisfy the need and, you know, make the system uh, better for that restaurant. 
yeah, so that's kind of how we started. You know, I think after six months, we were at only 10 restaurants total. So, you know, it was a pretty, pretty slow um, progression as how the company grew the first couple of years because when you're so young as a company and your product is not proven, these restaurant owners, they're not willing to take a chance on you because it is their restaurant, right? And the point of sale is really the brain of the operation. It Everything touches the POS, you know, every sale, every transaction. So it kind of connects everything. Yeah. yeah, and nobody wants to be a guinea pig. Nobody wants to be the first person to try brain surgery and put in a new POS. So it, yes. you know, it's a, I came on a year ago and seeing where you guys are now, I'm sure you know there's a million other stories in between this and then, but we'll get into that more next week yeah. on the next yes. podcast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you, Charlie. That was great. We got a lot of- Oh yeah, sure. That was a incredible, you know, a lot of stuff I didn't know and uh, really gave me a newfound respect for how this company came to be. So thank yeah. you for your time today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome.